Oh boy. This is Penn Sunday School, and to our listening ears, all angels sings and round us rings the music of the saints. Here we go. Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School. I'm Matt Donnelly, and we're broadcasting from Show Creator Studio South here in Las Vegas. And this week, well, a lot of stuff happened. But speaking for just us, uh, I went and saw uh, Piffle's birthday show, his 15th birthday show, Mr. Piffle's the dog, that is. Piff's older. And then Penn went and saw a Christmas Carol, a local production, the best kind. Here he is, preaching the love, Penn Gillette. I'm preaching love. I'm preaching love. You know why? Uh, it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, three days ago. Yeah. So 10 years and three days ago that you said to me, <laughs> one of the best things a friend has ever said to me, you said, I just talked to Penn in the future and he doesn't give a shit about any of this. Oh man. That was when you were on uh, your first- Celebrity Apprentice. Coming down to the final contest- and I was working hard. I was really tired. I <laughs> but was, you just had a very serious, very serious meeting about how to label your ice cream. Yeah. With Dennis Rodman, uh, Lisa Renna, uh, Glenn, like everybody's team. Like it was a whole Emily. There was a whole big, and I, and I was coming to visit you because I happened to be in New York that, that, at that time. And you're like, you can come to my, come to my room at Trump Tower. And I was like, oh, how exciting. And then I got to witness the very serious meeting of Celebrity Apprentice. And there was so much tension in the room. <laughs> so much tension. And everyone just emptied out. And uh, yeah, I thought I was going to make you laugh. I didn't realize you needed to hear it. I needed it. I so <laughs> needed to hear it. And then you went on and said more about it, which was great. Yeah. You said like, he doesn't remember, which, which you just proved. Yeah. You just said who I was talking to. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you said, he doesn't remember what you were working on. Yeah. He doesn't remember who you were with. Yeah. He doesn't remember why you were on the show. <laughs> Penn does not give a shit about this. And uh, it was something I really needed to hear. <laughs> I really, it was one of the, one of the deepest friendship moments of my life. <laughs> When someone just came when needed and delivered me the information I needed to know. I just talked to Ben of the future. He doesn't give a shit about any of this. Now, have you said that form to somebody before? No. Really? No, it I was really inspiring. Really yeah. Because I never had seen you, uh, you're so anti-competitive, uh, unless you're like s kind of slyly competitive. Yeah. So when watching you be openly competitive, I was like, this is not my friend, Ben. Mm. Watching you kind of like really over strategize, uh, like whether to put Trump's name on the label of the ice cream or not. Yeah. <laughs> was I was like, this is so weird. I'm not used to seeing you and do this. We did not know at the time how low the stakes were <laughs> and how high the stakes were. Yeah. We were, we were, we were, shouldn't be worried about ice cream. Yeah. We should be worried about stopping this motherfucker from being president. Yeah. 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 But we didn't know. Yeah. We were, we were focused on ice cream. Proof that we weren't time travelers is yeah. that we were there and we could have done it. What made that a great thing to say yeah. is the first instant that you said it. I mean, only the instant. Yeah. First instant that you said it, I was a little pissed off. Oh, he's not, <laughs> he's not taking this seriously. <laughs> you know, there was an instant of that. Sure. Why isn't he? Doesn't he realize that this is important? Yeah. And then the world opens up. <laughs> uh, but that's, uh, that was, you know, there are in my life yeah. five or six friends who've come through at a time like this. <laughs> and uh, you were one of them. 
and I, I still remember it. I mean, it's one of the, it is what I remember from that time, yeah. which tells you everything, right? Yeah. Ben of the future remembers Matt Donnelly saying this. <laughs> you know, you could have even said that, been self-referential. <laughs> ben of the future doesn't remember anything about this moment except me saying this. <laughs> How was Mr. Piffle's party? Oh, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, you know, those PR things in Vegas are always so weird. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Piff knows that too. And so he gets through those things and just wants to get on with his show. Uh, it was great. I love Piff's show so much. I brought both of my children. They both wanted to go. I Again, you can't put that on the billboard, but that's the highest compliment you can give yeah. is that both my children want to go to see your show. Um, and they've seen it before, you know, there is this weird thing and you went through this and, and it was a lesson I learned accurately, which is doing the friends and family thing, the local thing. It's the worst. It sucks. It's the worst. So not for Piff, Piff had a great show. Donnie Osmond is there mm-hmm. and Piff goes in the middle of the show, like, Hey, it's Mr. Piffle's birthday. Do we have any, you know, uh, Grammy winning, you know, lifelong entertainers who blah, 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 and the audience could maybe give him a gift or whatever. Oh, there's Donnie Osmond. Glowing introduction. Donnie comes up. <laughs> Just like, not even like, like not even obligatory. Do you know what I mean? Like not, like just, like not even, just like we're supposed to. It just was almost as like, like every, every the show's for other people, not me feeling. Yeah. And that's what I hate about it. And then he fucking goes and sings Puppy Love Ugh. to Mr. Piffles. And I think this is so funny. And he picks up Piffles and he brings him down the runway and he sings right into Piffles' face and he just finishes the song in a beautiful way, holding Mr. Piffles. Oh, Christ. Donnie Osmond, Donnie just waves as he goes or whatever. And doesn't, the, room, the applause doesn't carry him off. Oh, Christ. And I was like, that was fucking awesome. Like it's not even like campy or cute. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Donnie fucking Osmond saying puppy love to Mr. Piffles. Yeah. If you told Piff that yeah. uh, 15 years ago, yeah. he would have gone to pieces. Yeah. And Piff was also going to pieces. Yeah. He thought that Donnie Osmond singing puppy love was going to be the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And it was. Yes. Yeah. Friends and family. Fuck them all. <laughs> Because I suck. I was like, I remember I need to do a video to submit to all these magic places, including the Magic Castle. And I, instead of doing it here, I called up my friend Brian in Austin and I filmed it in Austin. Because mm-hmm. it was like, I, I'm not going to do it. If I bring an audience in here, they just, they've done too many of these important shows for other people thing. Yeah. And they think the show's not for them. And it's, it's, it's so crazy. It is so counterintuitive. Yeah. But we did the friends and family show when yeah. Kel and I came back from the pandemic. Yes. I was so depressed and bummed out. You were it. really bummed. The next night for real people, incredible. Yes. The exact opposite. Like people would say to you, well, you know, that friends and family show, you can't judge by that. No. Because those tried, people are loving yeah. you. You brought up when it's, I was there for you. It's the opposite. Yeah. It's the opposite. It's, you know, the friends and family show did not go well. Wait till you get in front of people who don't like you. <laughs> then it'll go well. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, the time I was there for you to apprentice, I was trying to be there for you after that friends and family show when you guys first came back and you were just, whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get off the phone. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. It was terrible. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I remember everyone who was in that audience. 
<laughs> I remember every one of them making that shitty. I do. I hold, I hold a grudge. Uh, did, how was my video for Mr. Piffles? Uh, it was. Uh, did, they, it, did not show it for the uh, uh, the whole audience. It, they didn't show it for the whole audience. No, no, fuckers. And what, one thing you did, which I loved, was uh, you sent cakes. Yeah, Piff, <laughs> Piff insisted on apology cakes. If you haven't listened to this episode, it's the last episode yeah. that Piff was on. Yeah, uh, here. He asked for three apology cakes. <laughs> and you sent three apologies with three different apology messages. Yeah. That's really funny. I'll, I'll actually, if you're on Patreon, I'll share those. Piff took a picture of the cakes. I'll share those pics. Uh, he's, he, and he wrote to me. This is the, the perfect Piff and Pen exchange. Yeah. Piff wrote to me, and I can't believe you got all the cakes perfect. And I wrote back, well, someone did. <laughs> <laughs> Or something. Or something. Uh, Glenn, the long-suffering Glenn, yeah, got, got the, all the cakes. Yeah, right. Piff labeled all the cakes he wanted or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing about this puppy love thing, mm-hmm. this is what Noah's talking about. I don't know if the entertainment reporters listen to this podcast or not. But a big kerfuffle happened where Donnie, after he did the Mr. Piffles uh, song, um, then canceled his shows for flu-like symptoms. It's true. Oh, really? And I talked to Piff privately. And he said, you know, we felt bad. We actually even sent like a thing over saying, I hope it wasn't our event that got you sick. Get well soon. And I said, Piff, you're an idiot. Donnie Osmond knew he was sick. He misses his showroom and he tried to kill Mr. Piffles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, zo- z- um, zotonic, right? Yeah. Is for the diseases that jump species. <laughs> That's it. He's going for a zootonic leap. Zoonotic. Zoonotic. No, it's, it's zoonotic. Is it pronounced zoonotic? Fair enough. Because it's zoology. All right, zoonotic. Yeah. Zoonotic. Uh, he was hoping, let's find out <laughs> if he was over in China. Yeah. Donny Osmond. Exactly. Not, not the lab theory, not yeah. the wet market theory, but the Mormon theory <laughs> of COVID. <laughs> Yeah, he was uh, uh, singing for the Chinese uh, prime minister, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe it. And they called it "bat love." He was singing. <laughs> uh, well, you, you've read about what a wet market is, right? Uh, it's really gross, right? They stack the cages, and the shit falls down from one species to another, and that's how diseases happen. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. glad once we figured that out, we passed laws to stop that from happening. Uh, actually, they didn't. Was that? They didn't. Oh, it was, uh, I mean, we had a, a, a pandemic across the world. Mm-hmm. Someone must have adjusted their laws to- No, there's still the wet markets there. If you want to go get yourself fresh muskrat meat marinated in bat shit, you can still go to a market. So we know where the diseases come from. We know how they're causing we Okay. Yeah. Right. And we also know that the, the turkeys are more expensive this year because of avian- Flu, yeah. which is going to be zoonotic. We know that you know that every major disease we have comes from animals, right? Yes, and it comes from farming. Yes, it does not come from wild animals. I and mean, the monkeys, okay, sure, on HIV, but um, like we get uh, one of those things was from camels, mm-hmm. right? Uh, herpes is from some weird animal thing. Venereal diseases all come from animals. Uh, flu comes from ducks. 
then crosses to chickens. And we put all these animals in these incredibly horrible situations, what's called factory farming in the USA, but the word farming shouldn't be in there. Just Just factories, shit factories. Yeah. And then wet markets over in China, all this stuff jumping across. It's terrible. By the way, those people that um, liberated uh, sick pigs in the Midwest, sick piglets, Mm -hmm. uh, animal rights activists who were uh, on trial for like prison time. Yeah. They got off, which is a big, big, big change. America is starting to see that maybe these shit factories are not the greatest idea. Yeah. Maybe having pigs that can't turn around ever in their life. Although I, I got to tell you, I want to tell all the pigs that are in factories now. Yeah. Turning around, kind of overrated. Yeah. How much do you like turning around? I mean, I rarely do it. I just, I mean, I have the freedom to do it, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. I hardly ever do it. Yeah. Well, Bob Dylan actually has advice to the pigs. Don't look back. <laughs> just don't turn around. Just a horrible thing. I went to see a Christmas carol. Oh, yeah. A high school production. Now, not just regular high school, because it's Las Vegas Performing Arts Academy, Academy yeah. Performing Arts, where both my children go. And neither of my children worked on the show. So you're supposed to be saying, I had to go see high school production of A Christmas Carol because, because my son the was- Tiny Tim or, or the turkey the or something like yeah. that, you know. Um, but no, I have to go because my son's friends are in the show. <laughs> That's- And my son is the greatest fan of the world. He was at, his, his, this is important. He was at A Christmas Carol. He clapped so hard that his hands hurt. He jumped to a standing ovation. He screamed, woohoo! After every song, he went crazy. Crazy. One of the most excited audience members I've ever seen. Remember him at the Friends and Family show of Penn and Teller? That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. But um, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to see those shows. You know? Yeah. There was the part that I would have had if I were uh, in, uh, in that high school. Mm-hmm. There was a guy playing the ghost of Christmas past who was on painter stilts, all in black crepe with no lines. <laughs> Walk around going. <laughs> That's a good part to have. Everyone remembers you. Yeah. And you have no lines. Right. That's great. Yeah. And uh, the guy playing Tiny Tim uh, also played Child Scrooge because he's the only one that small in the school. Yeah. He gets all those parts. And I got to tell you, the guy playing Scrooge, pretty good. But of course, this is Las Vegas Academy of Performing Arts. So yeah, yeah, these yeah. are, you know. They step it up. Yeah. They're, they're uh, pretty pretty high quality. Yeah. They did a really nice job. They all did English accents, which I found really bothersome because it made me, that's why I couldn't understand some of the words. <laughs> but you don't need to know a lot of the words. On you also don't need to do that with English accents too, do you? Well, what do Las Vegas Academy of Performing Arts, the kind of students that go there, what do they want to do more? Oh, that's true. Than dress up and use an English. Well, then I went to performing arts high school, and I if if, if there was any shouting in a monologue, I did that monologue. <laughs> I loved shouting. <laughs> would you have talked? To, would you have done an English accent? I would absolutely. Oh yeah, no, I did Shakespeare productions, and of course, I had a director be like, "You don't have to do an accent. <laughs> you do not need to do a Shakespearean accent." He said. He said. He said. I would try to. I would start doing an English accent. He goes, honestly, historically speaking, the people who did these plays probably sounded more like us than they do sound like English people. Mm-hmm. Stop doing an accent <laughs> with my parts. And did you stop? Uh, uh, no. 
Teller claims, you know, Teller studies Shakespeare a lot and yeah. has a production, actually. His production of The Tempest is going on in D.C. now. Oh, that's great. He's working on it now. While, you know, <laughs> recovery from quadruple bypass, he's on Zoom things every day directing uh, this production of Big Beth. In, uh, well, he knows how to DC. take it easy, so. Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> and uh, uh, Teller claims yeah. that if you want Shakespeare to sound like Shakespeare should, he thinks a deep Southern accent is the closest. Really? Yeah. He thinks Mississippi. Yeah. Mississippi is the way to do Shakespeare. And the words kind of come out that way. Yeah, that's what he thinks. That's what he thinks. I don't know if he's right. He's crazier than a shithouse rat. (laughs) Crazier than a pet raccoon, to use my favorite one. Um, But, uh, so they were all doing English accents, and they were all wearing, you know, vests and top hats and singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish, and uh, the whole audience sings along, and um, it it was very nice, it was very nice. But the story is just... um, Scrooge is rich. Yeah. And people who owe him money resent that. Yeah. He has a bunch of bad dreams yeah. and then forgives two loans. Buys a big turkey. Isn't that it? <laughs> Isn't that the story? Yeah. Is there any other part of the story that I'm missing? No, I guess he runs through the streets like a crazy person for a little while, right? Not too long. <laughs> and Tiny Tim... Is going to die prematurely, and he still does, right? Yeah, come to think of it, like, you've forgiven at least two loans in your life, right? Yeah. I've even forgiven two loans in my life. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't and a we big We both deal. run through the street crazy. <laughs> yeah, we got that down. And we both had bad dreams. <laughs> Isn't that all of it? Yeah. We've lived the Scrooge life. Yeah. He can't heal Tiny Tim. No. Doesn't try. Wisely. <laughs> You don't want you don't want an accountant doing orthopedic surgery. Yeah, you don't want that. Who wants that? We don't even know what's wrong with Tiny Tim, do we? No. Maybe polio. I think polio. Yeah. But Let's just assume polio until someone corrects us. I'm just telling you this: if you want people to do medical diagnosis based on plays, we're the guys. Yeah, come to us. Yeah. What do you have? <laughs> what did the Elephant Man have? That was a play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I saw also polio, <laughs> when I saw, yeah, when I saw the Elephant Man on Broadway, yeah, um, there's a really poignant scene where the uh, woman shows her breasts to the Elephant Man, yeah, who's never had sex because he has 50 pounds of bone in his face, which I guess slows you down. Yeah, when it was time for the curtain call, someone in the balcony yelled when she came out, "Show us your tits." <laughs> Which was one of those things that was so, so uh, shocking. Yeah. It was so deeply, deeply wrong that it kind of made me laugh a lot. <laughs> but I sat down and uh, I was in front of a couple who were not very tall. And there I sat down in front of them. And you know when you're my size, whenever you sit down in a theater, you hear the people behind you go, oh, uh, no, oh, yeah, yeah. hear that sound. So I like to turn around and say something. So with this production of The Elephant Man, I turned around and said, I know, it's bad enough seeing a play about an anomaly without sitting behind one. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, sco- I scooted down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they saw the show. And I knew that the show was really, really moving, 
really moving, and it had the power of real live theater. When an intermission started, the people behind me, one of them turned to the other and went, <laughs> it's hard enough to see you to play without a novelty. I sit behind one. That was good. <laughs> so there you go. Nice. Take that. I was like, uh, yeah. I, I don't have your height, but I, I when I f- end up with a middle seat on an airplane, that's where I'm like, I know. Yeah. Well, w- my son, Zoltan, right. is uh, six, five, six, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm six, 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 seven. We're very close to the same height. Yeah. And he's uh, on the s- lower end of BMI. He's skinny. He's, yeah. uh He's like 175 pounds. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, he wanted to sit in the front row in the center so his friends would see him there. So we go in and sit in the front row and uh, two, six, six. two six in the front center. And behind us is a uh, uh, Asian American family who all go, ugh. <laughs> so it, then a chain reaction that's horrible. Yeah. I turn around and I say, I know we're really tall. We're going to sit up really straight now. When the show starts, we'll both slump down. If you have any trouble seeing, just tap us on the head and we'll pull our heads down further. We're terribly, terribly sorry. And they go, are you Penn? <laughs> Penn and Teller? And I go, yes, I am. And Zoltan goes, this is why I hate going out with you. <laughs> I hate going out with you. This is why he said, one of my friends asked, they could have a picture with you. And I said, no. This is why I hate going out with you. You just, I said, it's not that bad. We're sitting here. He goes, yeah, it's not that bad. Oh, no. Yeah, so. Do you have like tall guy pep talks with him? Because you've lived a life? Well, what can I say to him? We both hate basketball. So there's no upside here, son. (laughs) Like, could you go over like slouching techniques or like. (laughs) Where you commonly hit your head on stuff. Do you go over any of that? We, uh, boy. Car shopping? Boy, do you hit your head on stuff. You know, um, uh, one of the basketball players who was on talk shows in the early 70s, who was witty and charming, who would that have been? Wait, one of the, what? A a famous basketball player (laughs) who would have been on a talk show in the early 70s being witty, charming, and funny. Dr. J? In the early 70s? Yeah, it anyway. would have been Kareem. He was not charming. Yeah. Anyway, one of these basketball guys, yeah. I remembered it distinctly. He said, I was getting on the airplane the other day, and he said a flight attendant, he probably said stewardess at that time, Yeah, a stewardess who was five feet tall, as I got on the plane, said, watch your head. And I turned to her and said, listen, I have been this size for 10 years. I think I know how tall I am. I don't need you to tell me to duck when you're five feet tall. And then I turned and smashed my head against an exit thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I always, always loved that story. Yes. Loved that story. Yeah. And um, when I first started flying often. You start going on the airplane, yeah. and the flight attendant, who's very small, I mean, yeah. or a regular-sized person, said to me, watch your head. 
I remember this story kind of went, yeah, thank you, I know, and then turned back. <laughs> I'll tell you, God hates it. Yeah. God hates it when somebody tall corrects someone short and yeah. telling them not to talk. <laughs> It is it is the end of your life when you No, I still have like distinct memories. My cousin was six ten and he came over to my house, his whole fam, and uh you know, so we showed them around. But I couldn't stop watching him just duck his head going to every room like doop 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 like underneath every time I was like I was like, just every room, huh? Every room you just gotta be sloping down, getting in there. Well, room. I grew up in a house that my parents built. Right. And uh I didn't know this. I mean I didn't even know it. Until I moved out a long time later. Yeah. And I was back there visiting my parents with a girlfriend, right? Yeah. And she said, you, you, you know when you move around this house, whether it's backwards or forwards, you just duck every... Because my parents had built a house that... Was not for you. Was not for me. Yeah. They had built it as their retirement home. And so I, my room was in the attic, which I could not stand up in any part of it. Right. And I didn't even notice that until I was showing my girlfriend uh, the room. And she said, this is the room you grew up in? And I said, yes. She said, you can't stand up in it. I said, oh, that's right. I can't. <laughs> and then I would be able to, uh, there was a door frame yeah. between the kitchen and the living room, right? And it was a, a high traffic area where, you know, uh, my mother might be in the kitchen, my father would be in the living room, and I might be talking to both of them. And she noticed that I would just, without thinking, front or backwards, just duck my head to move under there. <laughs> and that's the only house I can navigate that way, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, my nephew, Gesundheit, Denny, has a house, the smallest house ever. The entire house is the size of this room. Yeah. And there's like three rooms and a wood-burning stove. It's a little cottage. Yeah. And he is 6'2". Right. Yeah. And he can just barely clear everything. And there's these stuff down there. So when I came in to visit him, I banged my head 10 times. So the next time I came in, uh, he, he works, uh, he, he works in, uh, in tree work. Right. Yeah. So he has hard hats. Right. He said to me, uh, when I came over to visit him, put the hard hat on <laughs> and I went, come on. He goes, no. You bumped your head like 10 times last time, put the hard hat on. I said, I'm really going to visit my nephew wearing a hard hat? He said, yes, you are. And I went in, and we both thought it was very funny, but bam, bam, bam. I was hitting with a hard hat all the time. Now, how old is he? Uh, 16. So you're like, eh, you still got a ways to go. Young 20s, mid 20s, he's going to start to actually just like who you are. And what you've done. Really? <laughs> From your mouth to God's ear. Um, but uh, I think like once you once you're kind of, once you would once you go out as an adult at all and you realize that your family relationships are also in your hands, mm -hmm. you tend to change your perspective a little yeah. bit on that. I hope so. I mean they're not they're they're all very both children yeah. are very kind yes. about what I do. But they don't have uh, I mean, the fact that I knew uh, Ken Jong. Mm-hmm. Uh, drove my son crazy. Thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Oh, okay. And he said, he said, you know, all I really care about is if you meet anybody that was on Community or Ben Schwartz. <laughs> he said, other than that, I, I, I don't care. You know, 
King Charles doesn't mean much to him. I can get him in touch with Ben. What's that? Yeah. I can get him in touch with Ben. Yeah. Ben Shapiro's good. Yeah. Because yeah. I had to watch uh, Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Ben Shapiro's not good. <laughs> it was Ben Shapiro. He's that politician dick. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> dick because he knows it's wrong. He does it. Um, uh, ben, ben, ben Schwartz is yes. great. Yeah. Uh, my son made me watch After Party. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I wouldn't watch it. No, no, no. But that's a good. I mean, that's the thing. It's, that's a super niche comedy, even for comedy people. Yeah, but that's a. But it's good. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. and it's really good because Ben Schwartz is so. Hey, that's it's just true. Yeah, with comedy stuff, everybody in comedy now can do everything. They yeah. can all sing. They can all dance. They can all. It's like there was this time when if you were a comedian. In the 40s, 50s, 60s, Milton Berle, Alan King, uh, Danny Kay, they could all do everything. Yeah. Then there was this time from like 1968 until 1985 when comedians couldn't do anything. Yeah. Nothing. If you asked George Carlin, we're doing a song and dance number, what are you talking about, man? No. Right? That's all you'd get. You never no sh- no things of George Carlin doing a duet with Anne Margaret. No, we don't have that, right? And you would never see Lenny Bruce doing that. Lenny Bruce did do a couple song things, but that just hurts my argument. So I forget I even said it. <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, you wouldn't think of uh, of uh, Richard Pryor. No, uh, any of those like serious guys. And then all of a sudden, they can all do it again. Although I don't know, Dave Chappelle. I don't think he's doing it a lot of singing, singing or dancing. Yeah, he doesn't have that showbiz, that showbiz vibe. No. But all the people in After Party, yeah, every one of them can do everything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like uh, well, we interviewed him briefly on this show. Uh, Bobby Moynihan, who was on Saturday Night Live, had a song and dance background or whatever, so it, they always put him in the dance numbers in SNL. And when I talked to him about it, he was like, eh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Everyone knows it, so then they write me into it, and then that means when everyone else has lunch, I have to go to dance rehearsal. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only time they can do it. Right. Because <laughs> SNL doesn't have choreography time built into their very rigorous schedule. Yeah, they have a tough schedule. Oh. When we were doing Saturday Night Live, it's brutal. There's a rumor, I don't know if it's true, but, because the, but there's all kinds of different rumors going around for this season because there's so many just new cast members running it and a new person doing the booking. But they're saying that they were having a harder time finding people to actually be the host of SNL because of the commitment, the the way modern uh, show business works. People actually having a whole week to just commit to being in the thing as a super famous person just harder and harder now. Yeah, boy, uh, we were you know we were supposed to host Saturday Night Live, and one of the big sadnesses of my life is we never got to. Oh, I think that would have been really good. I think it would have been awesome. There was a time when we were in New York when we when Lauren Michaels thought we were just barely famous enough that a really weak week that wasn't important, he could probably <laughs> have us host. And he told us it kind of that way. Yeah. You know, he yeah, kind of yeah. told us, you're really not famous enough to host, but we might be able to squeeze you in one week. Mm-hmm. And he actually gave us a week. And we talked about it. The deal was done. And then there was someone that was more famous they could get. So oh. we ended up not doing it. Oh, that is heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's tough. That's a big bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, and you know, fucking up being on the night show with Carson. Yeah. We've done some, we've done some screw ups. 
<laughs> you had a lot. You had a lot going for you, though. Yeah, we, 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 fuck, you figured enough out. Some things. It's actually it is actually a great lesson that things don't have to go perfectly to go well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big thing I'm harping with my kid with the soccer team. Yeah, you don't have to play perfect to win. Just play play your best. No, no. Well, this is what I try to teach my children. <laughs> don't do your best. Yeah. I so said the teachers always tell you to do your best. Other parents tell you to do your best. You don't do your best all the time. You can't do your best all the time or it no longer be your best. Then it's your average. Save your best for when you need it. Whenever you can get by with your okay, use it. Because there'll be times you need your best, right? Yeah. I said, you can be okay in your shows. Then when you walk out on Jimmy Fallon, be your best <laughs> for six minutes. Yeah. Then go back to the dressing room. Don't be your best. Why bother? Yeah. You know, don't make your best fucking possible joke to, you know, your manager or the agent <laughs> that comes in to, to tell you, you did great. Yeah. He says, you did great. Say, thank you. Yeah. You don't have to do your best. You don't turn it on for him. No, don't bother. Yeah. Boom. And I would say the same thing in sports. Probably not true. Do, do the guys in sports do their best the whole game? I guess they have to. They try to, and then you get tired. Yeah. <laughs> so you do your best. You do your best given your energy level <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting how I hate how seriously they want you to take sports at younger, younger ages. I think it's so dumb. Well, I'll tell you, hasn't affected my family. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, right? Because this, this, we're now kind of the, coming to their end of their high school rides, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't, none of them took a sniff at sports. Not right? a sniff, not the slightest sniff. And it's funny because their mother is very competitive and played every sport in school. Yes. And really, but apparently my uh, vibe just overwhelmed that entirely. They don't watch sports, don't know the rules of sports, do not care at all. Oh, I remember, I was really embarrassed. I took my kids to a minor league baseball game and uh, they were like really excited. And then it was so clear they had no idea what was going on. And I was like, oh, I never taught them the rules of baseball. I'm, I'm sure, I thought they learned it in gym class. I'm sure didn't. my children don't know at all. <laughs> but, I, but my son did say something very, very funny. Yeah. He came home one day from school and said, you know, this being tall and basketball stuff, that's not bullshit. He said, we had gym class today. We had basketball. He said, you know. I don't care at all about basketball. I don't like basketball. I'm not good at basketball, but I'm the tallest student that school has ever seen. Boom, boom, no problem. I was just hitting everything. <laughs> he said, so it's not bullshit that the tall thing is. I said, no, it's not. Tall helps in basketball. There's no doubt. Because I was like that yeah. you know, in high school. When they forced me to play basketball, I was good. Yeah. I mean- because I was taller than everybody by a lot. Yeah. Of course, the scary thing about my son is he's taller than I was at 16. And I grew two inches at 18 years old. Yeah. Two inches. No, it so, could happen. Yeah. He could be He could be six nine. Has he ever tried to juggle? Yes. Ah. But he wouldn't juggle with me for love or money. He wouldn't even talk about it with me. Jason Garfield, <laughs> who stays in our house. Wouldn't wouldn't help him. Jason Garfield went to the school to give a workshop. Oh, and that's man. where he juggled. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that the teacher lives at our house, he did not avail himself of that. 
But when he could, when he could take attention away from another student, yeah. then he was there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm trying to think, when do I buy my kids sear wheels? That's what I want to know. What are sear wheels? The big, the big hoops. Oh yeah. You. What that's what you just make the money. Yeah. You once you learn that routine, you just work. Yeah. They they are now. I'm trying to get them to lean into Vegas, and so they are now taking Ninja Warrior classes. You know mm-hmm. Ninja Warrior? Yeah, it's a TV show. Right? Yeah, you crawl around, and it's a it's emotional crack, is what it is. They sure they'll hang on by their fingertips for a long time, but they just tell you stories that try to make you cry for an hour. Uh, that's the show. Well, oh yeah, okay. You know the background packages is all like whatever. Like I watch the Ninja Warrior thing; it's a good thing, and then my kid goes like, "Dad, what makes someone want to commit suicide?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> and it's from backstory of one of the contestants, and I'm talking to my kid about suicide. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, but, yeah, well, what you're really teaching your child is if you want to be on Ninja Warrior, yeah. have a tragic story. Yeah. So, it. son, learn to hang on by your fingertips, and maybe one of us will get cancer. <laughs> And then you're going to go. You're going to go. You just got to take care of step one. Step two is not in your control. Right. But if you hope and wish and pray, <laughs> one of us may get cancer. So someone wrote in, I was recently listening to an old Dr. Demento show on YouTube, and he played a song called Bacteria and claimed it was by Penn and Teller. I was immediately jolted back to being young, listening to the Good Doctor's show, taped off the air every week and loving that song, and now I find out it was you. I can find so little about this song online. Yes, I wrote a song called Bacteria, uh, and uh, I recorded it, and it used to be part of the off-Broadway show. I would sing Bacteria while I played bass. Dr. Demento picked it up and used to play it all the time. So I have been on Dr. Demento. So I was not hosting Saturday Night Live, but I was on Dr. Demento. Okay? You got that? Yes. I was on that. So uh, Bacteria is a song that I, uh, that, I, uh, that I did. You don't get enough credit for that songwriting stuff, you know? I don't. I've written <laughs> some fine songs. Do you remember writing it? Yeah. I remember I wrote, I wrote Bacteria. Uh, but I stopped doing it. Because I thought in the uh, in the age of AIDS, and then in the age of uh, now in the age of COVID, it wouldn't be as funny to make right. fun of. It was. Um, aren't you glad that you can't see bacteria? Aren't you glad your eyesight is inferior? See that gal you badly want to kiss? I'll tell you, pal. Her mouth's a petri dish, but you can't see. So suck her tiny maggots down your throat. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's me. I don't even like insects. If I could really see, I'd probably give up all sex. Um, it was about being disgusted by the idea of bacteria. Yeah. Can you imagine if our eyesight was good enough to be able to see it at, at bacteria level? No. Can you imagine all that stuff squirming around our faces and stuff? If you had microscopic looks? No. It's a pass for me. I won't do it. Yeah. Uh, but didn't like, uh, Tiger Woods have, is it Tiger Wood or Woods? <laughs> George Michael, George Michael. Yeah. Which is it? Tiger it's Woods? Tiger Woods. Woods. Yeah. Uh, Keith Richards. Yeah. George Michael. Tiger Woods. Yeah. Um, aren't there rumors that he had operations on his eyes to make his vision better than 2020? That was a rumor, but I guess the, the, there was always the thing about uh, LASIK. That would often come up as an anti, 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 or pro, or like let's stop giving a shit about steroids argument. 
with baseball players. So taking HGH or steroids, especially HGH, which is mostly used just for recovery, didn't really enhance, just made you get better faster kind of thing. Um, that like everybody would always compare it to LASIK and how Tiger Woods got LASIK and improved his putting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it's actually was like meant to give him a, a true competitive advantage or they just needed LASIK. I don't know. I don't know what the real story is. He also had a rib removed and his stomach pumped. <laughs> <laughs> now it shouldn't be too long, right? Before yeah. we can get operations that improve above perfect, right? Yeah. And I think that's, I think it's a fascinating notion because like we don't, we tend to hate things that enhance already good. We only seek medicine for recovery, right? Mm-hmm. So like, but and it seems like anything that pushes it to that area, we largely almost always consider bullshit, which a lot of times it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not like into it. It's not like a big motivating factor in the world of medicine, right? Well, if you needed to have big holes in your earlobes yeah. so that when you ran, the wind could go through there and be more aerodynamically designed. Yeah. We got that solved. <laughs> but I've been told that um, if I get cataracts, yeah. and once they make an electric one, I'll have a cataract. Um, uh, once I get cataracts, because I get old enough, yeah. that they can put lenses right in my eye so I won't need glasses. Wow. They can fix that. They can make that better. But that's still not That's better. not a contact lens? This is a different thing you're talking about. It's the actual lens they will put in will be a better lens. Your actual eye lens will just be a better lens. It won't be my actual eye lens. It'll be the one they put in. Okay. The bionic one. But it'll be permanent. You don't have to take it out. Right. Got it. It'll be part of my eye, but not built in. I've already got one of my ears. Right. Has a, has fake piece. I have Teflon in my ears, but it didn't make me hear better than I did before that. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So I don't know it, but I've always thought that, um, I mean, as the animal eye expert of the show, mm -hmm. I can sure I tell you that you will see things six times larger than you see them now. (laughs) You do know that. (laughs) But, uh, 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 I uh, I don't know. I, I think that maybe socially, when they look back at this time, they'll say all the tattoos yeah. and all the body mods that we're seeing were getting people ready for body mods that would actually make things better. What happens if you're a fabulous runner mm-hmm. and you find out that you can get new knees yeah. that'll make you run even a little faster? I mean, that's got to happen soon, right? Yeah, definitely. And just even just, or even again, like recovery things, like the, the wear and tear, just the soreness and not being able to play the next day, that kind of stuff. Like there's an advantage to being able to practice more and even just log hours, right? So even if it's just a recovery element, you still are at a competitive advantage. Yeah, but a boy, the already professional athletes are practicing a lot. That's true. They probably look forward to a little, have you ever looked forward to getting sick so you have a little bit of time off? <laughs> that was, you hear a lot of performers in town. Talking about their COVID breaks mm. and being envious of the time they had to take 10 days off. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot of times where like, they're feeling overworked. Like, I just hope I get COVID. Yeah. I could use a break. Time to take a cruise. <laughs> take a cruise. Yeah, so I wrote bacteria, just so you know. All right. And uh, you got to get that back on the on the bio. Yeah. That writer, songwriter. Hit song, bacteria. Yeah. 
It's uh, you can find it. I think you probably find it a quick. Yeah. Search on YouTube would probably uh, turn that uh, turn that out. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/listen. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year. TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by three thirty one. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Do you have anything to say? I guess everybody else is saying we don't need to. Do you have anything to say about uh, Musk buying uh, Twitter? Oh, I you know I I. I don't know why we don't find it more hilarious. You know, we, we, we have this inherent hatred for billionaires. Mm-hmm. And like, if, if I, if I hated you and you spent 44 billion on something that clearly wasn't worth 44 billion, isn't that just hilarious? Yeah. Like, isn't that just enough? I tell you, I think if Twitter goes under, it's a good thing, right? I, yeah, I'll be fine. With, that's the, I guess that's the hard, I, I'll be fine with it. Yeah. It is actually the platform I'm most like. You know, I have the most followers on, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and that's thanks to the Russian bots. Um, <laughs> but you know, like I, I have a pleasant experience on Twitter. I, I, I've, I've heavily weighed in and curated my social media, right? Mm-hmm. So I've asked our podcast listeners to be very nice to me on there mm-hmm. because I am thin-skinned and I'll become a shitty dad if you're a dick to me on Twitter. Uh-huh. And they've responded by being very kind when they critique me mm-hmm. on there and stuff. And my little communities, my little podcast communities, often do a lot of interacting on Twitter, and we get along great. I mean, dickheads and assholes run so many companies, you know. <laughs> and like you get into it, like you can't assess who runs every company you use or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, I don't, I don't see the need to like have a huge side on this. If it goes under, I'm fine with using nothing or something else. Uh, <laughs> If it sticks around, I'm probably going to stay on and keep using it. I will tell you, uh, I've also, I want to say you're welcome yeah. to the nation because I voted uh, in this election. Yeah. I voted late yeah. and by mail, oh. which means the Senate was yeah. kept because of me. That's right. If you voted early in Nevada, who gives a fuck about you? Yeah. And that Cortez Mathis, she's been in your house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who's been in my house? I think the senator was. Really? Yeah. When you did the piano concert? She was there? I think she was the there. The senator? Yeah. I voted for her? Yeah. Yeah. There's always people in my house I don't know. Because <laughs> the governor was in my house too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there was also uh, like- uh, so You hung out with the governor early on when the, you, guys, you guys were doing the uh, vaccine drives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know so him. I, I guess there's governors and senators and stuff that I meet and I don't know it. Yeah. Because, you know, Emily- my wife knows all these people. Yeah. And she brings them over the house. And what do I do? I stand in the corner talking to you and Jones. <laughs> Isn't that all I do? Yes. Have you ever seen me talk to anybody but she you talk and Jones? to your magician scumbag friends. Yeah. yeah. Over in the corner. Yeah. And then people come over and I'm introduced to them. And they don't say, this is the senator. No. They just say, this is so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the cat. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I didn't recognize it from the ad. <laughs> and then yeah, we have a new governor now who hasn't been to your house. Right, I don't think. <laughs> but it was good because he was t- he, he's tough on crime, so he won. Now he was sheriff of the county, so he had ample time to be tough on crime also. <laughs> But now that he's governor, he can really be tough on crime. Yeah, yeah, really be tough on crime. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't think, because you... I mean, he has less authority as a governor <laughs> in this particular area, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, politics is funny. I don't think our governor wanted to win re-election. Really? Select? Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. Man, is he a good guy. Uh, uh, I did meet him and knew yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think he's... Him. I mean, I think for anyone, like you, you, you talked about uh, LOD talking about um, George Bush. You know, yeah. your president when nine eleven happens, like you just can't, yeah, possibly get your head around that, right? Like winning governor and and then getting a state through a pandemic. I can't imagine. I just, yeah, go go take some time off, buddy. Go fish. <laughs> it would have been better for us if you'd won. Yes, but better for him to lose. I think so. Yeah, just take some time. Take it so. easy. Ah, uh, Jesus. And then the whole, the, we don't want to give the whole politics thing, just too depressing. But um, I read the thing in the New York Times about all the cases against Donald Trump and where they're likely to go. Oh. It was just amazing because you look, if you take all the scandals of all the presidents in history, <laughs> do they add up to this? I don't know. I don't, who's second, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, Clinton with a blowjob. Yeah. But this guy's got rape in a dressing room. Yeah. Nixon with Watergate. Yeah. Everything. Right. Stealing documents. I, I mean, I, I, I just can't believe, and he's just going to run out the clock, and I believe his entire plan is to die, right? It must be. Yeah. If I, I can just push this back till I'm 85, who yeah. gives a fuck? Yeah. I mean, I think if you said that in that way, it would maybe ruffle some feathers, but I think he has, whatever he says would mean that. Mm-hmm. Like they'll never, they, he'll, he'll stay out of jail mm-hmm. for sure. One way or another. And stay, and stay, uh, moderately rich as he's always been. Yeah. With, you know. Well, he finally got rich now. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. You know, he was, he was kiting checks basically forever. Mm-hmm. And he finally got rich by being president. And exploiting that. Yeah. And then Ivanka says, by the way, I'm not supporting you. How's that? I mean, I've known for a while that his children hated him. You couldn't be on yes. Celebrity Apprentice and be around the children without knowing they all loathed them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah they were yeah. very clear about that. They were not even sneaky about that. Yeah. They just showed they just showed outright contempt for their father. Yes. Which is uh not rare with children, but rare with adult children. Yeah. Really rare with adult children. I, I don't know. I guess I probably have two or three friends who are adults that actively dislike their parents. Well, I've, I mean, have you ever, you've been around Trump at close range and we've been around him far away. Mm. And the, the really, the narcissism is un, an unbelievable level. Like, unbelievable level. So I can't imagine he had a great pat on the knee chats with his kids, can you? I don't, I do you think, don't I, I, do you think he turned it off and have like a tender moment? The major thing he said is Thinking that he liked them? to fuck his daughter on Howard Stern, <laughs> right? Remember he said that? He said his daughter is, yeah, is bangable or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. How many times do you think she's had the conversation, this is why I hate going out with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, very well made point. Very well made point. Very well made. I don't, uh, it's just amazing because every time you find yourself saying he can't possibly win, you remember saying that before. Absolutely. And then you, and then you go to who else might win and you're like, oh, man, I don't see that happening either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're living in a world, you know what also, and I know this bothers you. We're not going to go into it because we agree with everybody on this. Yeah. But I, I just want to see how upset you are by this. Not only did the Democrats support bad people in the primaries for the Republicans, but it also worked. That did bother me a lot. A lot. It worked. Because I was ready for this red wave, and that was going to be my champion receipt. Would be like, that's why we can't do that. Yeah. We have to make it a true marketplace of ideas. We have to make it true candidates. Yeah. And then it fucking worked. It's gross. Politics is gross. Yeah, really gross. And Carrie Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still funny, too. Politics is still funny. Yeah. Carrie Lake is Carrie Lake, who is a Buddhist yeah. and a yoga instructor. Yeah. Nothing like what she turned into. How did that fucking happen? Is That's, that like a weird acid trip or something? I don't, like, what I like about the results of it is that it's it sure seemed like, oh, the playbook's right there. Mm -hmm. Right, so if you just want to read the playbook of Trumpism, you just you just know how you feel on every issue, black and white, right off the bat, and you can just yell and scream. Yeah. So it was good to see someone just seem like so arbitrarily just go, "I'm going to grab the playbook and run with it," mm -hmm. and not win and fail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was like a good thing. Well, it's what I learned on Celebrity Apprentice. It's what uh, Andy Duke told me. Yeah. She said you'll learn on Apprentice that there's nothing more depressing than someone cheating and losing. Yes. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Someone cheating and winning brings anger. Yeah. Someone cheating and losing, like she doesn't believe that shit, or maybe she does. I don't know. I don't think. Now, don't you know a little bit about LSD? Yes, I do. You do. <laughs> now, are there people who take LSD and become like Christian 50s type people? I mean, if it does personality change, does it ever go in that? Is it possible what we're seeing with Carrie Lake is some weird Buddhist trip that went weird? <laughs> Ayahuasca. Yeah. Led Ayahuasca it. turned her into a Christian. I, it, it'd be different if she showed like a, any kind of nuanced intelligence about some of the stances she took, but she just was like full zealot. So it felt a little. And also, do you, do you know about this uh, um, high monkeys? No. Uh, my son told me. Now we're getting to the thing we should be talking about. This is a common conspiracy theory that humans evolved from tripping monkeys. Oh. <laughs> no, I've not heard that one. He says everybody knows this. Everyone knows. <laughs> he said that monkeys took mushrooms and that's what made them evolve into humans. It's called like the high monkey or the stone monkey. Oh my god! Stone monkey theory of evolution. Look, at least it's back in the corner of evolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, head Carrie Lake lost. Let's clutch. Let's, let's little, clutch the good. Little little. Let's clutch the good. That was Ben Sunday School. That was Ben Sunday School. Cha cha cha. 
you become naked. <laughs> I'm gonna type in stone monkeys and see what I get. I just like the idea of being like, I didn't come from no way. You're like, you did, but he just had to eat mushrooms and stuff. <laughs> oh, stone monkey. Here it is. Uh, stone monkey, they're a band. At least they're a band. Stone monkey is a big thing on here. Stone monkey theory. In the late 1960s, early 1970s, McKenna stated that due to the desertification of the African continent at that time, human forerunners were forced to increasingly shrinking topical into new new food sources which got them to take drugs and become yeah it is a thing jesus christ anyway you know we love you hey matt darling i'm ready to thank yes i want to thank the following stoned monkeys <laughs> uh krista hatchaby loop mckinney gary cornley danny hey Goudeau, does this rag smell like chloroform to you ruse matthew o'sullivan betsy batter little mandar just a reminder, talk shit about Jobeth R. Bowers, Adam Stickney, Sax Guy Jimmy D, Nathan Julian, Petty Officer Scoop, Daniel, my wife watched me pulling off my boxers and said, you spoil those dogs. All right. David K, David Peters, Blue Drinks Films, Brandon Knapp, Nick Dingman, Colin Durham, The Big Scuba Podcast, Central Park Owl, Lancey Menchu, Stephen White, Harlan Liam Clark, Michelle Yeiser, and Brogan Hastings. Thank you. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>